Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. And today I'm going to ask a very important question. It's the elephant in the room question. Why some Christians don't like Jews? And I want to talk to you about what I believe to be one of the deepest rooted issues within Christianity today. And this issue is 2,000 years old. It's been growing since the early beginnings of the church. It is an issue that has caused great casualty to Christianity over the centuries. And it is an issue that may be affecting you as well. It's an issue Paul the Apostle warned would be a major destructive issue within the Christian world. And Paul continually warned about this problem in his epistles. And here is one instance from Romans chapter 11, verse 17 through 22. And it says this, But if some of the branches, speaking of Jewish branches, were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. He's speaking about the Jewish people, and he's speaking to Gentile Christians. To the Gentiles, don't be arrogant towards the Jewish branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear for if God did not separate the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you yourselves will be broken off. So Paul is warning the Gentile Christians not to be arrogant against the Jewish fathers of the faith. And though they did not believe in Jesus, He's saying, uh, do not reject them. God has not rejected his people. Don't boast against them. Don't be arrogant against them because you yourselves will be cut off. What Paul was warning Gentile Christians about was an arrogance he saw rising in the first century within Gentile Christians toward their Jewish elder brothers and sisters in the faith. And remember, Christianity is built on Jewish apostles, Jewish prophets, and a Jewish Messiah named Jesus. The root system of Christianity is Jewish. And so Paul says in verse 18 of Romans 11, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So after the first century, Christianity became arrogant against the Jewish people and broke away from the Jewish foundation of the faith. Early Christians did exactly what Paul feared. They became arrogant toward the Jewish branches. They attempted to start a new movement far removed from what Jesus has intended for the church to be. By the third century, Constantine at the Nicene Council drove the final wedge between Christianity and its Jewish fathers and made it law that Christians could no longer practice the Jewish feasts. Here's a quote from the Council of Nicaea and where Constantine changed the feasts and God's calendar. Here's what Constantine says. And in the first place, it seemed to everyone a most unworthy thing that we should follow the custom of the Jews in the celebration of this most holy solemnity. 
who polluted wretches having stained their hands with a nefarious crime, are justly blinded in their minds. It is fit, therefore, that rejecting the practice of this people, we should perpetuate to all future ages the celebration of this rite. In a more legitimate order, let us then have nothing in common with the most hostile rabble of the Jews. This was the point of a great severing. The Christian church was forming its own religion apart from the Jewish foundation. Constantine moved the celebration of Passover to another day. What day did he choose? Uh, He moved Passover uh, to the pagan celebration of the goddess of fertility, Ishtar, whereby some say we get the word Easter. Ishtar, the Assyrian and Babylonian goddess of fertility, her symbols were the Ishtar egg and the bunny rabbit, symbols of fertility. This was the doing of Constantine, rejecting the celebration of Passover, uh, the, the blood over the doorpost, salvation from the death angel, all those beautiful symbols, and, and Christianizing Ishtar and incorporating the symbols of fertility into the celebration of the resurrection. You ever wondered why at Easter time, at the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, Christians all over the world, what are our symbols? It's the bunny rabbit and the Easter egg. So in doing this, Christians lost the great connection to the rich meaning of Holy Week, all found in the Passover celebration. And the Christians have traded the symbol of salvation through the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost, for Easter eggs and bunny rabbits. And churches today still are having Easter egg hunts after Sunday morning service on Resurrection Sunday. And it's stunning to me how a deception that has lasted 1,700 years, even till today, and the word Easter was never even written in the Bible, but some of the uh, manuscripts, some of the uh, translations of, of the New Testament, we have the word actually... Uh, entered into the scriptures and the word is is never easter it's always in the uh, the hebrew scriptures the greek translation is always passover the hebrew is pesach so christianity after the first century started a trajectory away from its original foundation and remember in those days the general population was largely uneducated Uh, in Europe, the Gentile uh, population, and they would receive their instruction from bishops and church leaders. And many of these church fathers were strongly anti-Semites. And not long after the birth of the church, jealousy erupted within many church fathers towards Jewish people over the issue of chosenness. And Justin Martyr, who said this, Uh, Justin emphasized that the principles of Scripture that once belonged to the Jews were now owned solely by Gentiles. And he said, they are not yours, speaking to the Jews, but ours. We too would observe your circumcision of the flesh, your Sabbath days, and in a word, all of your festivals, if we were not aware of the reason why they were imposed upon you, namely because of your sins and your hardness of heart. Then John Christendom, one of the early church fathers, he said this, The Jews are become worse than the wild beasts, and for no reason at all, with their own hands, they murder their own offspring to worship the avenging devils who are the foes of our life. The synagogues of the Jews 
are the homes of idolatry and devils, even though they have no images in them. They are worse even than heathen circuses. I hate the Jews, said Christendom, for they have the law and they insult it. Uh, Peter the Venerable, another church father, he said, Truly I doubt whether a Jew can truly be human. I lead out from its den a monstrous animal and show it as a laughingstock in the amphitheater of the world in the sight of all people. I bring thee forward, thou Jew, thou brute beast, in the sight of all men. And so during the Middle Ages, myths and church laws sought to marginalize the chosenness of the Jews, Jewish people. Uh, they, they taught from church pulpits all across Europe the desecration of the host and the yellow star, they taught that Jews would come into the mass on Sunday morning and they would take the host, the, the bread, and they would bring it home and they would crucify the bread with a knife. In other words, they were crucifying Jesus uh, uh, on Sunday mornings. They believed the devil was the devil, in, the Jew was the devil incarnate. They taught this. They taught the myth of the blood libel that Jews will take and um, kidnap Gentile Christian children during the Passover feast and drain their blood in order to drink it during their Passover uh, celebrations. The Jews were forced to be baptized as Christians or be put to death. After the Reformation, it was Martin Luther, the leader of the Reformation, who wrote a book uh, entitled The Jews and Their Lies. And he says in this book, first, that we should avoid their synagogues and schools and warn people against them. And such should be done to the glory of God and Christendom, that God may see that we are Christians and have not knowingly tolerated such lying, cursing, and blaspheming of his Son and his Christians. Secondly, that you also refuse to let the Jewish people own houses among you, for they practice the same thing in their houses as they do in their schools. Instead, you must place them under a roof or stable like the gypsies to let them know that they are not lords in our country. Thirdly, that you take away from them all their prayer books and Talmuds, wherein such lying, cursing, and blasphemy is taught. Fourthly, that you prohibit their rabbis to teach, for they have for forfeited the right to such an office. Fifthly, that you uh, that protection for Jews on the highways be revoked, for they have no right to be in the land because they are not lords nor officials. They should stay at home. I am told that at this time a wealthy Jew is riding with 12 horses in our country. So Martin Luther is saying uh, we, we take away all Jewish protection in the land, and if, if Christians want to attack them, it's okay. It's, it's legal. So think about that. Those things happen you know, in the, in the Middle Ages of time. So in the 4th century, as Christians beastly hated Jews and burned their synagogues, it was established law that they would not be held responsible, but that Jews would be responsible to rebuild their own synagogues. For these church fathers, Christianity uh, it, it, it was this. If Judaism remained valid, then Christianity would be invalid. So the only way to validate Christianity was to destroy Judaism and forcibly convert Jews to Christianity. And so the long history of forced baptisms and expulsions from cities and countries began with the rhetoric of these early church fathers 
who despised Jews and were wanting to validate Christianity by destroying Judaism. And the fact is that the longest lasting Jew hatred in history has been Christian anti-Semitism. So the uneducated Christian masses, for the most part, lived through the Dark Ages believing the lie that Christianity was superior in, in faith to Judaism and had nothing to do with the Jewish people. And remember, during those centuries, Christians were not allowed to even read their Bibles for themselves. They relied on the interpretation of the bishops and the priests and the church fathers. So they believed the doctrine of deicide, which was the Jews actually killed God. And that doctrine lasted for centuries within the church. That Jesus was resurrected, they believed, on Easter rather than on the Feast of First Fruits after Passover. That they believed that Jesus was not even Jewish, but upon his resurrection converted to this new religion, Christianity. In, in Sunday school, I remember growing up and seeing a picture of Jesus on the wall. He had blue eyes, blonde hair. He looked like a California surfer or, or even that he was Swedish. We have de-Judaized Jesus even in our generation. In fact, Ju Jesus was really had no um, remarkable characteristics it, it, it physically. Judas had to identify him with a kiss. Isaiah said he, he had no beauty that we should behold him. So his looks were unremarkable. So here's the elephant in the room. There's an no excuse for anti-Semitism, but as we look at the Middle Ages, we can say that the church leaders who knew better, who studied the Bible, had the scriptures at their fingertips, were mostly to blame for the rabid anti-Semitism within Christianity, the myths that they taught to the, the Christians in those days. The Crusades, the Inquisitions were all based on lies that the church fathers taught about the Jewish people. They deceived the uneducated masses into believing the lie that Christianity was set apart and not built upon the foundation of the Jewish scriptures. So though we cannot excuse the hatred towards the Jews during this long dark night of the Middle Ages, we can see how Christians were led away into Jew hatred. But today, Christians around the world are much more aware and much more educated. Yet anti-Semitism is growing in Christianity exponentially. So why is it today that many Christians don't like Jews? And we'll answer this question when we come back from the other side of the break because we're living in a day when we have no excuse. We can't blame ignorance uh, for the hatred of Jews happening right now in Christianity, really, all around the world. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, President of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. 
One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God is building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section, and you can give securely online. Be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt. You can also mail your donation to Israel Team. Find our address on our website, israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel in You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel in You, and we're talking about the elephant in the room, the big question today, why is it that some Christians don't like Jews? So let me make a simple observation. There are many Christians I meet, even evangelical Christians, who love Israel. They love the land of Israel. They admire the state of Israel uh, that's fighting to protect itself from its neighbors who want to destroy the very state of Israel. They love the land because perhaps it's a sign of the last days that the Jews will return from the four corners of the earth, which Ezekiel speaks about in Ezekiel chapter 36 and 37. Uh, they believe perhaps in pre-tribulation, pre-millennial dispensationalism. And so the, the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel really is a sign that Jesus will return before the tribulation. And so it, it all fits nicely into their theology, the land of Israel. But they don't like Jews. I remember, as an example, an event we recently did, Israel team, and it was a night to honor the Jewish people, and it was gathering the Christian community together to celebrate uh, what the Jews have done for Christians. And we, you know, we talk about how the, the apostles were Jewish and the scriptures were written by Jews. And so it was a great night. The theme was simply honoring the Jewish people within the community. Afterwards, I walked into the lobby of the building, and a well-meaning Christian saint came up to me, and she said, can I ask you a question? I said, yes, of course. She said, you know, I love the state of Israel. I love the land of Israel. But can you answer this question? When will the Jews recognize that they're the problem in this world, that they're the ones causing all the heartache in America? And I realized as the lady talked, she could not make the connection between Jews and the God of Israel, that he identifies himself as the God of the Jews. She loved the one, the land, but 
not the other. She didn't like Jews. She loved the one and despised the other. Uh, Gary Burge, who taught at Wheaton College for years, wrote a book, uh, Whose Land, Whose Promise. And in the book, he says, if Israeli Jews don't convert to Christianity, they're good for nothing and should be cast into the fire and burn. Stephen Zeiser, a, a pastor in, in Great Britain, he denies the Holocaust. And this is real-time stuff. He, he said this recently. Any Christian who supports the right of Jews to return to Israel, they have repudiated the Bible, and they are an abomination to God. So today, even on evangelical college campuses, it's very difficult to get an audience with a faculty member because so many of our colleges have gone neutral on the issue of Israel. Pastor Stephen Anderson, Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona, he denies the Holocaust, he refers to Judaism as satanic, and says that Jews will be an eternal burnt offering in hell. Rick Wiles, Pastor Flowing Streams Church in Vero Beach, Florida, warns Jews that Christians are going to impose a Christian rule over them, the Jewish people in America. He blames Jews for impeaching President Trump and calls it a Jew coup. He warns that Christians warns Christians that Jews are coming for you because when they take over a country, according to Wiles, Jews kill millions of Christians. He blames the Jews for starting the coronavirus. In the advanced world today, there is no excuse for this kind of vile hatred of the Jewish people. Uh, Andy Stanley, a pastor in Atlanta, he says we must unhitch from the Jewish Old Testament values and from Jewish scriptures. He says that God's covenant with the Jews is over and complete. Let's not forget that it was just 80 years ago that sophisticated German Christians, well-educated, they taught and believed that Jesus was not Jewish but Gentile, and that German Jews were threatening German Christianity. They mixed Christian piety with nationalism and built the gas chambers to destroy Judaism once and for all. In the night of the broken glass in 1938, uh, German Christians burned 250 synagogues and forced Jews to pay for the removal of the rubble. So in the last hundred years, Christian anti-Semitism is thriving once again. And the question is, what is the root? What's causing this? Why do some Christians not like Jews? Why do so many Christians, even today, hold these anti-Semitic feelings towards the Jewish people? They love the land, they love Israel, but they don't like Jews. And I believe it comes down to the issues of the Jews being chosen. That, in my opinion, is what is behind the long history of hatred of Jews amongst Christians. If the Jew is chosen, then the Christian is not, according to them. So Christians have done everything to be God's chosen by erasing the Jews. And it's a long jealousy, the jealousy that Paul the Apostle warned about in Romans chapter 11. And you might think, well, well that kind of stuff had happened in the Middle Ages, when the church fathers were in control of education and, and the people didn't have their own Bibles and people in those days were not educated. But it's happening today. One well-known evangelical pastor who has a national radio program, well-respected, just about three weeks ago, with seething passion, said this on his radio program, National Evangelical Radio Show, he said the Jews have once and for all time lost their privilege as God's people forever. 
And now the church is the chosen people. Can you believe that? I can't. I can't believe in our educated world that a pastor would have that much passion against the Jewish people to reject their chosenness. And my question is, who gives this pastor the right to not choose Israel when God has himself said, you are my people forever? And so there it is again. Within this pastor, there's a seething, angry jealousy. And why don't those Jews convert? And if they don't convert, they will be forgotten by God forever, and they're no longer the Jewish people. And as I talk to evangelical, well-meaning people, sometimes they'll ask me, as we, we talk about the land of Israel and the need to love the Jewish people as well, they always come down to this question. They'll say, Aaron, why don't those Jews learn? Why don't they just convert? When are they going to wake up and know that Christianity is greater than Judaism? It's an amazing, deep-seated anti-Semitism. So I want to clear up this, this whole issue of chosenness. The Bible says that, yes, God chose the Jewish people. He chose them to be a servant-priest nation that they would bring uh, the light, the revelation of God's word to the nations of the world. And so the Gentile Christians all around the world, we must uh, thank the Jewish people that they did bring the light of God's revelation uh, to the nations of the earth. And the church has been supernaturally engrafted in to the olive tree of Israel. And Paul says in Romans eleven seventeen. but if some of the branches were broken off, you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. So don't be arrogant towards the branches is what Paul said. So your identity as a Christian and the identity of the church as a whole cannot be known in any sincere and authentic way outside of a connection to Israel. We were never meant to live the Christian life apart from the root of the olive tree of Israel. Once the chosen mission of Israel is denied, said Roy Eckhart, a great pastor from 50 years ago, Roy said, once the chosen mission of Israel is denied, the entire foundation of Christianity is taken away. And I really believe that is what is happening today. The foundation of Christianity has been taken away and trampled upon. And what's happening is Paul's warning is coming to pass. If you're arrogant against the, the fathers of the faith, the Jewish people, uh, if you're arrogant against the Jewish branches, you yourselves will be cut off. And so what I see happening today, because of the issue of chosenness, many Christians across the world are saying the Jew is not chosen, only the church is chosen. And they've attempted to build their faith on another foundation altogether and start a new movement outside of the foundation of uh, the Jewish uh, foundation of the faith. And so in the wisdom and mystery of God, said my friend Art Katz, there is a reciprocal relationship and connection between the two, Jew and Gentile, that is so profound, so inextricable that neither the church nor Israel will ever come to their ultimate fulfillment independent of the other. 
God has locked us in, the one with the other. We have no awareness of how anemic, loveless, and narrow, predictable, and mechanical a fellowship or a people are that have lost their identification with Israel. We do not understand that the rudiments of the faith and its very root go deep into the life of that people and that people's God. It is enlarging and liberating to know that we have such an ancestry and such a destiny has been exclusively reserved for one people alone, the Israel of God. So, beloved, we are engrafted in. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.